Welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines. Uh, guest speaker today, Ray Johnson, uh, who's our designated safeguarding officer for Northumberland FA. Uh, and the topic we're talking around today is safeguarding. Ray, thanks for joining us today. Um, can you just can you just explain to everyone um, what your role at Northumberland Football Association uh, consists of and the importance of it within the football in the co- in the county? Yeah, um, so I'm the designated safeguarding officer for Northumberland FA, Gary, as you know. Uh, I work within the compliance department uh, alongside um, our head of compliance and head of safeguarding, Andrew Forster. Also work with uh, closely with Adam Williamson, who's our discipline officer, uh, Ellis Lander, who's our admin um, support officer, and we also work closely with the referee development officer, Mark Sowerby. So we're quite a small department, um, but we um, we deal under the umbrella of compliance. My main task is um, safeguarding. So I'm responsible for all safeguarding and welfare concerns that come into the NFA. Uh, and that could be from anyone uh, from a club, uh, any player, any parent, any coach. So anyone that's involved in, in uh, junior or adult football with adults at risk um, and they want to raise um, a concern with regards to safeguarding or welfare, then I would be that first port of call you know, to, to, to look at their, their concerns or their complaints and investigate it if need be, um, however big or small. Okay. Um, very important role. I see myself in a really important role um, where all safeguard and welfare concerns can be reported and investigated if necessary, as I say. And ultimate, ultimately, I think my role uh, is to ensure that, that children and adults at risk uh, can play football in a safe and happy environment. So. I suppose in a nutshell, that's what it is, Gary. You know, it's it's just to make sure that that the participants, children, and adults at risk can play um, safely and happily. Yeah. And, and around this really important issue, Ray, how many sort of queries do you get on a that you have to deal with on a weekly basis? Um, it's difficult to put a number on it, Gary. To be honest, because you know days are different um you know one day I, I could be extremely busy um i would never say that i'm quiet um but other days i wouldn't be as busy i suppose if i had to put a kind of number on it on average um i would get 20 to 30 emails um a day to address mm-hmm. in some form or another uh, and that doesn't include kind of phone calls as well so i suppose on average daily um, I would get yeah between 20 and 30 emails. Sometimes I'd get 40, sometimes I'd get 10, but on average between 20 and 30, I would say emails a day. Um, and then obviously we get telephone inquiries as well. Mm. Um, so it's a busy, busy role, busy department, busy role. Um, and, and the, the, you know, a bit like you, Gary, that never seems to be enough hours in the day, to be honest. Mm. So, you know, I'm not just there kind of Monday to Friday, we're kind of work at weekends, we're working a bit like yourself, we're working in the evening time as well. So, yeah, yeah. So it's busy, uh, sorry, it's, it's difficult to quantify, but I would say, you know, on average 20 to 30 emails a day. Yeah. I think from your response there, Ray, it just goes to show how important a role it is that you play within 
uh, grassroots football within the county uh, and and how important safe garden is within 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 football itself um what does safe garden football mean to you um i suppose i could sum it up um you know I think I've mentioned it before. I suppose safeguarding football, uh, in short, Gary, uh, means providing a safe and fun environment for all children and adults at risk in order that they can participate in football in that safe and, and, and fun environment. Um, I suppose safeguarding um, is, is just ensuring that, that young people and adults at risk are, are, are safe, you know, that, that they can they can go about their business um, enjoying their football at their clubs um, with without the fear of, of anything happening to them. Uh, it's, it's just making sure that, that that environment is a safe environment, mm-hmm. you know, from from mm-hmm. any any um, predator. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that can kind of, sums it up in short. Yeah, we could talk yeah. all day on safeguarding. To be honest, Gary, you know, it's quite a an emotive subject quite a lengthy subject you know there's a lot involved in safeguarding but for the, ma- the man and the woman in the street you know it's really just to ensure that that, that youngsters and, and adults at risk are safe yeah. yeah from from a player's point of view um what do they need to be aware of around the point of safeguarding would you say yeah so players so we're talking about young players again um yeah. any child eight under 18 so once they turn 18 they become an adult. So if they're under 18, 17 years and 364 days, they're still still classed as a child, all the way down to you know the longest youngest participants we've got um, in, in grassroots football, and also um, adults at risk. So these these are the kind of players that we're talking about, you know. So they need to be aware that they can, if need be, um, report any concern they have regarding their welfare. Uh, and and know that someone will take them seriously about it and that something will be done about it as well okay so for years and years we're going back years and years a lot of the big problems we had were that young people thought they wouldn't be believed that's changed now gary at the end of the day we do a lot of work and and, and you're part of that you know um where we try and make sure that young players and adults at risk and feel free and safe to report any concerns they've got and that those concerns will be taken seriously and believed. So that's a big thing. So, you know, um, we try and and get that that message across to to the players to say that if need be, they can report any concerns that they've got regarding um, their safety or or their their well-being or, you know, um, whether it be through um, reporting it to their coach, reporting it to the club welfare officer, or reporting it direct to myself or the FA, or, or via a, a parent or a carer that can do it on their behalf. They just need to be able to to be you know uh, aware that they can do this. And we're doing a lot of work, as you know, with um, various platforms that we've got at the moment, um, and through various staff members. We're trying to get that message across, you know, as best we can. We've got the youth engagement strategy. Uh, you've been quite a big part of Gary, where we, we we've engaged with young people 
to make sure that they've got the right information that they need to know, you know, to, to ensure that they can go about the, that their football um, in, in, a, in a safe, safe environment. Yeah, and, and I suppose from a parent's point of view, Ray, is that very similar to what you've just explained or is there, is there anything else that they need to be aware of that can support yeah, them? Safeguarding is everyone's responsibility, Gary. You know, um, a lot of people just think that safeguarding within Northumberland FA is my job or, or Angie Forster's job. Um, it's not. It's everyone everyone that's, that goes along to junior football or um, involved in adults at risk football, um, everyone's got a responsibility to to um, report concerns if, if they, they see a concern. Uh, it's not just the, the club wealth officers um, or myself, as I say. Um, so parents need to be um, aware of that and, and they can um, report concerns to ourselves either online via email, pick up the phone and, and, and phone me. They can do it through the club welfare officer. They can the club welfare officers do a really good job, Gary, and and um you know they're normally the first port of call that, that a concerned parent would go to um with with a concern. Uh once they pass the concern on to the club welfare officer, that would then be passed on to myself to look at. So I think parents, um, you know, they can they can do online courses as well. Um, right. there's, very, there's safeguarding courses that the FA run online on their online platform that parents can go on. A parent, um, if they're not a, a member of the FA.com at the moment, they can go on to the FA.com, become a member, it doesn't cost anything, and they can access safeguarding courses um, through the FA's online platform. Um, if the parents get involved in, in coaching um, as a parent helper, it might mean they have to do a DBS check as well. But I think we'll, we'll cover DBS later on, Gary. So, yeah, parents, um, if they've got any concerns at all or any questions, by all means, either email me or, or, or telephone me. But they can also speak to the club welfare officers. They're very, very knowledgeable around the club with regards to safeguarding um, and, and are always willing to work with with parents so yeah yeah great and, and and from a coach's point of view then you know coaches have to renew their safeguard and qualification uh, every couple of years um is there anything else that coaches need to be aware of to stay up to date and be aware of situations within grassroots football yeah yeah um I mean, coaches are a big part of grassroots football, as you know, Gary. As you know, you're at the forefront of, of um, looking after the coaches. So, I think from my point of view, I would say that um, as a coach, try and ensure that um, your own personal safeguard knowledge is updated regularly. You know, you're not just there as a coach to to develop the young players. You're also there as a coach to make sure that that's done in a safe environment. Safeguarding um, changes, you know, weekly, monthly, and I think it's important that um, a coach, from time to time, um, they do update their, their safeguarding knowledge. Now, there's various ways they can do that. You know, we've got an online learning platform at Northumberland FA, um, and th there's there's you know comprehensive, up-to-date information um, relating to safeguarding at the FA.com. 
there's a, there's a, a load of information at the FA.com on safeguarding different policies, procedures. They get changed from time to time. Um, so I, I would say, you know, um, every now and again, go on to the FA.com, just type in safeguarding to the sit in the search bar and it will bring up you know all the up-to-date um, kind of information on safeguarding uh, when it changes you know if coaches aren't um, kind of sure of what the responsibilities are um, or if they feel they've got a concern then again pick up the phone to myself um, or even maybe through if they've got a good relationship with you Gary speak to you first and then you can pass a concern on to me um, or, or email into us you know um, at the end of the day we're there to help um, with regards to you know any problems that the coaches have, um, but yeah, either pick up the phone, email if you, if, if you if you if the coach hasn't got um, you know an idea of what what they're talking about, um, and we're, we're always there to help you know, um, and I'm not saying that we've got the answer 100% of the time, but I guarantee if we haven't got the answer at the time, we'll go away and find out the answer for them. And and that that takes us nicely on to sort of the, the club policies now, Ryan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, clubs have all these policies in place um, now within the game. Um, from again, from a coach's point of view, is there anything that we need to be checking with the clubs to make sure everything's in place? Is that something that's passed down by the club? Yeah, yeah. So the, the you know, as you know, uh, Gary, uh, and and I'm sure. Most of the coaches know um, working uh, within grassroots football, clubs have to be set up well to be able to um, ensure that that children can participate in grassroots football safely. And part of that process is for the club to ensure that they've got um, the right committee in place. So they've got a chairperson in place, they've got a secretary, they've got a club welfare officer, they've got a treasurer, um, and as part of that setup the clubs should have um, the relevant policies and procedures in place. So it's down to the club and the committee more than anything to make sure those policies and procedures are in place, um, all the way down from, you know, the constitution right through to uh, codes of conduct, you know, so players' codes of conduct, parents' codes of conduct, coaches' codes of conduct, uh, all these kind of things the club should have in place. Um, and I think, you know, if the coach needs to know any information about that, the best person to speak to first and foremost, I would say, would be the club secretary or the club welfare officer. The club secretary should have a handle on um, what policies and procedures. But again, if it's a new club starting out and they're not sure of what policies and procedures they need, then get in touch with us and we'll tell them. We'll give them templates, you know, um, where they just need to insert the club name and they've got a, a, a full blown FA template, you know, um, mm. at their fingertips. Um, coaches, I would say, you know, look at the club policies and procedures when you get a minute. Look at all the codes of conduct if you haven't already and just get an idea of what's involved in the club itself. Because, you know, the coaches, I would say, are at the um, the forefront, you know, they, they're at the very front of, of, of um, child welfare to start with, because it's normally the coach that will recognise a problem 
um, first and foremost. So I would say that, yeah, work with your committees, you know, get to know your committees well. If you don't know them already, make a point of introducing yourself to your committees and then asking about the, 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 the policies and procedures. They should be on the website if the club's got a website or on their social media platform. Um, and just take a bit of time and, and, and read them and get to know them. And again, if they're still not um, in a position where they understand them fully, then come and have a chat with us and we'll try and talk them through them. Mm-hmm. So if, if a coach has got any concerns, how would they go about that? Um, the, the coach, again, you know, that there's various ways um, or inroads that you can voice your concerns. Um, if it's a safeguarding concern, um, I would say for the coach to go to the club welfare officer to start with. But it might be that the club welfare officer may be involved in that concern. You know, it's very rare, but as a possibility. If that was the case, I would ask them then to come to me direct or Angie Forster, director at the county FA. If they're not comfortable with that, they can go to um, the FA itself, safeguarding at the FA.com, um, which is um, a reporting line um, for safeguarding. But initially, you know, nine times out of ten, um, the coach would probably go to the club welfare officer, voice the concern, talk it through with the club welfare officer, they will then advise the coach what they need to do, recording um, bits of information. And then the club officer would um, contact myself probably on behalf of the coach. But there's no reason that the coach can't um, come to me direct. But we would advocate that they work with the club welfare officer first. Um, but, you know, if they were on holiday or they weren't available, um, by all means, come, come to myself. Yeah. Ray, you mentioned earlier around DBSs. Um, why and how does that work? Um, yeah, DBS, um, bit of a minefield for some people, Gary. Um, <laughs> so what does DBS stand for? It stands for Disclosure and Barring Service. And it's a process, it's not just in football, you know, it's in any um, child or adult at risk um, related um environment where people working directly with children or adults at risk uh, must apply for a DBS certificate. Now, nine times out of ten, um, we would say that um, it's only an FA DBS certificate that's acceptable, um, you know, working within grassroots football. Saying that, there is um, some anomalies where um, people working in a teaching environment um, can possibly use their DBS certificate, but it would have to be ratified by the FA. Each um, kind of company um, have, have different uh, thresholds with regards to DBS certification. So anybody wanting to use an outside of the FA DBS certificate rather than go and apply for a new DBS certificate um, through the FA would have to have that certificate ratified by the FA um, first. Um, the DBS application process, um, it's not lengthy, you know, again, if the 
So I'm not sure the club should have the information. Most clubs now um, process their own DBS applications. If um, the clubs or the coaches aren't sure about um, how to go about it, again, contact me. I'll send them some information on how to start the DBS application process. Quite a straightforward um, process to do. Once they've um, started the application, they'll come to a point where they need their, um, their documents verified, Gary. So that would be like the passport, driving license, birth certificate, etc. Now, again, most clubs are set up with the club wealth officer um, in place to verify documents. If this isn't the case, then um, they could come to us at the County FA um, at, at Whitley Park and one of the members of staff, all the members of staff at Whitley Park uh, are qualified to do DBS document verification. Takes five minutes, but unfortunately it has to be done in person. So we can't accept um, emails, uh, photocopies, anything like that. It has to be in person and it has to be original documents that are brought in. Once we verify the documents um, are what they say they are, we would then put that on their application process. The next stage would go on and it's all automated from then on in, um, which involves things like police checks, etc. Now, it used to take up to a month to two months for some people to have their DBS um, application processed. Now, I'm assured when it's done through clubs, it's even quicker. So they're getting them turned around in two or three days. But um, it's important that um, you, you make sure that your DBS is up for renewal and that you probably start the renewal process before it runs out because if it runs out and then you start the process after that you you can't um, do your coaching until your dbs is, is back in place again so yeah and just on that point ray um you shouldn't be involved with coaching any uh, under 18s till that dbs comes through yeah yeah so um Anybody that's that's in what we call regulated activity, which means direct contact with children, you know, so a coach has got direct contact with children or adult, an adult at risk, um, they, they need to have an actual physical DBS certificate in place. Now, what happens once the process is finalised um, and approved, the certificate will be sent to the applicant's home address. Um, and then within 24 to 48 hours, the DBS information will be updated to the whole game system. Now, even though the applicant has a physical copy in their hand at their home address, they still can't carry on with the coaching until the information is uploaded onto the whole game system and approved. And the reason for that, Gary, is that Sometimes there's a query with the information, although the certificate's been sent out, there is a query with the information and it's passed across to the FA to look further into. Mm. So until the um, information is uploaded onto the whole game system and it's got the DBS information in the whole game system against the applicant's um, whole game record, then um, they, they can't coach until that's done. Fantastic, Ray. Thank you. Um, the digital world, Ray, 
Um, how do we remain safe using digital platforms in this day? Yeah, it's, you know, this day and age, um, back in our day, Gary, we didn't have um, kind of PlayStations and um, iPhones and stuff like that, did we? Right? We didn't really know. With a tin can, didn't we, Gary, <laughs> to, kick a, to kick up down the road? Um, yeah, uh, seriously, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big concern in the digital world. Um, we've got to be aware of the dangers that's connected to social media and digital platforms like um, gaming, um, etc. Because social media, digital platforms, kind of gaming platforms, are an ideal kind of route for people to target children. Okay, it's an ideal route, and and you know we can't get away from the fact that it is a big concern. Um, so we've got comprehensive information um, on how to to put safeguarding measures in place for clubs and coaches. Um, so again, um, if the clubs don't have that information in, in their policies and procedures, I've got I've got um, a whole list of policies and procedures relating to um, digital um, and social media, um, you know, um, concerns and, and how to combat those concerns. Uh, if anybody needs a copy of these measures, um, then please get in touch with myself and I, and I can supply them in a, a matter of seconds via email to them. Um, again, if anyone's got any concerns or worried about social media platforms, digital platforms, get in touch with myself or the club welfare officer and have a chat. Um, you know, on a weekly basis, I get at least one one email a week um, from either a concerned parent or a concerned welfare officer or a coach <clears throat> just asking for advice on um, cyberbullying, um, you know, any, anything to do with, with that kind of digital side of stuff. <clears throat> There's always someone, you know, asking questions about it. Again, we can't, I would say we can't um, ensure that 100% we can stop it, but we can go a long way to, to making sure that, that children are safe with, um, with regards to, to social media platforms and gaming platforms and digital platforms alike. Cheers, Ray. Um, Ray, thanks very much for sharing all that uh, really useful information around safeguarding uh, in the game this afternoon. It's a pleasure, Gary. Um, as I say, you know, our doors are always open. Um, phone, email, um, or even if you're passing um, Whitley Park, you know, um, give a knock socially distanced. And uh, we're, we're happy to, to talk through any concerns that anyone has. Thanks, Ray. Pleasure, Gary. Thank you very much.